When do we meet this employer? His message said he'd be waiting for us on board. Uh, 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 I'm terribly sorry. That we seem to have made a wrong turn. We we didn't mean to disturb you, Doctor. Not at all, gentlemen. I've been expecting you. Well, hello and welcome to Tarak Noir. My name is Joe and I'm here with my brother Matthew and together we are recapping each episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine from Emissary to What You Leave Behind. Today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 8, The Passenger. The story was by Morgan Gendel. The teleplay was by Morgan Gendel, Robert Hewitt Wolf, and Michael Piller. And it was directed by Paul Lynch. So Matthew, would you say that security on DS9 is your bailiwick? I would say I don't know what that word means. Yeah, I uh, it's it's it was one of those words like that part of the episode where it took me out of the episode. It's like, wait, what year is this? I <laughs> where <knew> they- <laughs> is this taking place? Like, what fucking small ass town in the middle of nowhere in the 1950s is this story taking place? Yeah, I I was able to piece it together with context clues. Oh, for the sure. Thing, the thing that I knew that I knew for sure was. I did not like that guy. Not in the slightest. You walk into my office talking about Ballywack. <laughs> the Ballywack uh, here was crazy. It it is it is kind of wild. Uh, also, it, you're supposed to, you're giving me like a weird fake apology at the time, and you're you're gonna <laughs> you're you're apologizing to me saying you were wrong, and you're gonna throw Ballywack in my face like that. It, it is it is pretty wild um you know he really really thought that he was doing something with his with his apology uh yeah. and it's it's the worst uh listen this is your bailiwick i know that and i don't mean to be throwing my weight around no hard feelings it's like i don't mean to be throwing my weight around but i am and i'm happy to do so listen i appreciate you saying whatever you were saying but we still got to fight in fact even more so now <laughs> right exactly uh and you know what you don't want to do is get into a territory fight with odo uh because he takes that role personally he really does and uh one minute you're fighting uh gumby man like he is <laughs> like a beige gumby and the next minute you're fighting like i don't know, like a dragon or something like yeah. it's a real bummer fighting a shape shifter that's not what you want God, it would be it would be really really nice if we got Odo on like you know one of today's Star Trek series style budgets because they would be able to do a lot of crazy crazy shape shifting with him. And uh, instead, we get uh, paintings on the wall or beverage carts or rats. He's always, so far, always he's always a fucking rat. Yeah, and it's and I'm always like. Listen, if you're trying to, uh, you know, be real sneaky, why are you not a gnat? You're a rat, but you shouldn't be a gnat. You should just be flying around. No one can see you. You're just like hiding. There's no reason for that. And again, you know, he's always talking about loving being a hawk or whatever, 
Trevelyan Hawk or I don't know, whatever. He says, right, and right, right. Uh, listen, that's great. I mean, being a hawk seems awesome, but I really oh, do sure. think I really do think that when it came time for fisticuffs and you know throughout the series, he really left a lot of the table by doing the two handed like the two fist club thing that everyone else is doing. <laughs> right? Like, why why are you constraining yourself to this, bro? Like, <laughs> like be a rhinoceros. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> His Bajoran dad was like, "I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about being a fascist cop, and I'm going to play you these videos of James T. Kirk fighting, <laughs> so you can learn how to fight." <laughs> That's all they did. Uh, yeah, wild. Uh, he choices were made in terms of all of his shape shifting over the course of the series. I understand most of those choices were governed by budget, but I really think that Odo just has a really bad imagination about what to transform into. Like entirely boring. The the fascist reactionary minds has no creativity surprisingly only once is he a german shepherd <laughs> like that definitely <laughs> seems like that should have been a lot more frequent <laughs> that he was a german shepherd but only once <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh okay let's get into the episode summary a runabout is sent to aid a crippled Kobliad prison ship containing a notorious criminal known as Rayo Vantika. Although Vantika is dead, Dax discovers that he was capable of transferring his consciousness into the mind of any other being without the recipient's consent. That part was not really touched on very much in this episode. The consent part uh, really focused on some other stuff yeah, going wow. on, <laughs> but valid. I'm glad that the uh, summary from TrekHorror.com pointed that out. Uh, that's a real, a real fourth wave uh, summary right here. You know, it's okay. So I just finished watching. Uh, we're getting to the asides real quick. Uh, I just finished <laughs> watching the episode of Voyager Retrospect. And oh my God, is that a rough as fuck episode? It's an episode where uh, seven of nine has an altercation with this arms dealer which lol um arms dealer on voyager but she uncovers some repressed memories with the help of the doctor um that does like some psychological you know we're uncovering repressed memories and she explicitly says i was violated and uh, the emphasis is that they extracted borg nanoprobes from her and it's like, well, she wasn't sexually violated. They just extracted something from her. And she has all the signs of someone that was sexually assaulted. Um, and it's like, oh, my God. And, you know, apparently it was written, you know, in the 90s. And it was more focused on the satanic panic kind of thing of like uh, everyone just having these memories of being murdered and then brought back to life and in that whole thing and like that was the focus but also there was so much emphasis on her being violated and everyone not believing her whatsoever and it's supposed to be like like how the children you know they didn't believe the children so it's like great we're infantilizing a woman who had a physical and emotional assault and we're also going to blame her for the dude's death at the end of the episode Anyways, Oof. no, that's it's... that's a lot. Voyager, that's such a '90s, like late '90s into the 2000s thing. Where, yeah. um, like there was, and this is 
I'm sure that this was on like an SVU or something, but um, the skeptical, oh, some, you know, psychologists were all seen as like um, very untrustworthy and exploitative. And they're like putting memories. They just like, they love the idea of like child molestation. And so they like implant these memories Mm -hmm. in these people and yada, yada. Like this was, this was like a weird culture war thing. Yeah from back in that time and it's just funny that like voyagers like oh yeah give me that culture worth <laughs> at the same time they were like so tropey on having like uh like a weird network tv version of like indigenous people spirituality which was like <sighs> which the 90s had so much of that like the like i can't believe we're having a second reference to walker texas ranger <laughs> Like, I literally <laughs> haven't thought about that uh, in decades. Yeah. But here we are, two in, like, two months. But, um, like, if for real, like, they, they had all this stuff, yeah. all these movies, yeah. the Indian in the Cupboard book series. Oh, like, God, yeah. it was, like, a real time. I mean, in the 90s, you see this a lot in Star Trek, where sort of the, like, this is post-race, like, utopia of, like, post-history we've like really done it mm-hmm. and uh it was a lot yeah voyager like the whole chakotay character was a mess like up and down like every, yeah. bit of, every bit of them was a mess but i also really was like you know they're they're getting kind of kind of loose with some of their like, they were you know, yeah getting, like spirituality like they had like random people in voyager do like these the the trips and stuff like it was a lot it 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 was and it is it's an interesting thing when we look at a voyager when we look at ds9 tng whatever they're all products of their time they're all products of the 90s uh tng you know more so with the influence of the 80s but still very much products of the 90s and it's a weird thing because we we also are products of the 90s and we love these fucking shows, you know? Oh, yeah. And so it's one of those, like, we really got to take the good with the bad. And even if there's a lot of bad, we still, you know, we still have some enjoyment that we can that we can pull out of it. Yeah, no, this is, like, we love this stuff. This stuff is, it's like the way that you talk about, like, your family who's, <laughs> you know, kind of whatever, but it's like, but they're your family. So it's not even a question of whether like this is in your life or, or not. Like this was, this was a big part of my life growing up, you know? Yeah. Like we talk and, shit because we care. Yeah. And so listen, um, there, there's a lot in this episode when I was taking notes that like I went on some deep dives that we're going to get into. And it's just like, it's a different lens watching it now as like, a mid creeping to late thirties mm-hmm. adult, you know, yeah. as opposed to who living in 2022, as opposed to, you know, being just a kid, like, Oh, they got phasers, you know, like that's all, all they needed were phasers for, for me sure. at the time, you know, give yeah. me some phasers, give me some cool ships. Like I still, I'm still itching to get to the defiant. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's work through the episodes so we can get there a little bit quicker. Uh, the, teaser opens up with Bashir being so easily impressed 
by himself. <laughs> and uh, Kira and Bashir have some wonderful banter back and forth. Like Kira's being, you know, genuine, like, oh my God, I saw a really, really cool thing. I've never seen anything like that. And Bashir is like, ah, yes. Well, it was me. It was me. And uh, twas I brilliant. I was. And she is just like, oh my God, I'm going to kick you out of airlock in a second. But he's just going on about how brilliant he is. And it's like, you know what? You're charming. Okay. Like you're a charming, swarmy <laughs> asshole, but I, I kind of love you right now. Here's the thing. Kira was being genuine, but so was Bashir. Like Bashir was genuinely like, wow, like, I really am the shit. Like, this is crazy. Like, this was, and you know what's wild, Kira? Like, this was light work for me. Like, first year medical school, we realized that tricorders ain't shit, which, you know, I hadn't heard that before. Like, that's interesting that it's just common knowledge that, um, you know, tricorders, like, are worthless on a, on a body. Like, uh, Star Trek medical, like, Star Trek technology really, like, fits whatever the script needs, needs it to be well <laughs> like tricorders yeah. famously don't work but he this is this whole episode is both sides of the Bashir coin which is um he is at this time I know that he continued to have a career but the actor is simultaneously god awful yeah <laughs> Like, holy fuck, this <laughs> dude cannot act to <laughs> save his fucking life. Like, if 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 he had to, if he was trying to save his mama's life he, through acting, he couldn't do it. On the other side of the coin, super charming, the best. I I loved I loved him in this little teaser. He the best Bashir is in love with himself. Bashir that works every Absolutely. time. Absolutely, yeah. Like you can you can throw that pitch every single time. That thing is money no matter what. Like, he does this here with Kira. Kira's response, by the way, like, they had a great, like, some great chemistry in that acting moment where, like, he was really feeling himself and she was really about to be, like, she was on some why I ought to. Like, ready yeah. to throw about. And you're like, all right, I see how these two people had a kid. Oh, for sure. Like, and it's one of those things that, um, surprisingly, I never really look back on DS9 and think of, you know, you think of different pairings, whether it's Dax and Cisco or Dax and Kira even, um, or, or Kira and Cisco, whatever, um, Bashir and Dax. Like, I never really think of the character pairings throughout the series as Kira and Bashir, but like, they were, they, they had a pairing, if you <laughs> they, will. They, they paired, they knew each other in yeah. a biblical sense and so, <laughs> i do think that that meant that um you know stuff like that makes set uh, makes set awkward at times i'm sure you know because they had that child together they, had, they were married and then split like all during the course of the show i i go ahead no and i'm just thinking like like there's, I bet that for the writers' room, I, I'm just like picturing like someone like like okay, so here in this scene, Kira and Bashir, and someone like uh, <clears throat> actually, what, actually, can you make? Why don't you make that uh, Kira and O'Brien? 
um, we're not putting Kira yeah. and Bashir together for a while. And then like after some time, someone's like, hey, uh, why don't you throw Bashir and uh, Kira to sing together? And then, you know, like six weeks later, yeah, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> like keep, keep yeah. Bashir out of ops. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely hope it wasn't like that. Uh, hopefully it wasn't like, uh, my ex and I continuing to be roommates after we broke up. And it's like very much that description of like, uh, no, we're not going to pair the two of them together anymore. <laughs> it's oh, like, it's, it's not good for the environment in the home in on the set. If the two are near each other, hopefully it wasn't that kind of a situation. I saw photos um, of the two of them, like, you know, taking a photo together or whatever at the uh, mission Chicago. I think that's what it's called. The Starfleet convention. That happened a few months ago, and it's like, oh, cute. You know, they're they're hanging they're, out and stuff. Um, you know, there's only so many old people who are that like legitimately attractive. You know, in their age, hmm. you can't like you can't if if two of you are them, then you got to be. You know, I, I just you can't attractiveness like, solidarity. Yeah, like you you uh, like you can't pass that up. Well. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if the the writers of Picard season three uh, recognize that as well, and see if they slot in some DS nine cast members. We'll see. Anyways, um, but yeah, that teaser it's absolutely great. Like Bashir is going on and on about himself. Kira's like, I feel privileged to be in your presence, and Bashir is like, glad to have you along. And that's what that was that's incredible. What, that's what you did. The why I oughta. And that's, that's God tier. That's Han Solo. I know level shit. It, it it really is, and it's it's. I was just thinking that you know because I'm so uh, in the mindset of a Voyager, like the Doctor and Voyager is just as smug <laughs> about being his brilliant self, but he he is just not charming, especially not the <laughs> right. first couple of seasons. No, like he is just an absolute asshole. Which I mean, that's how it was written. But Bashir is too, but you know Bashir, Bashir. when he's like flirting and stuff it's like oh you're you're a charming asshole um and it's just really really funny contrasting the two the two doctors <laughs> but yeah Alexander Siddig just does fantastic I'm sure he is absolutely charming in real life too like yeah oh 100 that is sure. coming from his his real we, life we know that he's not a good actor We'll, we'll get there. We we're, we'll, we know we'll get there. So if he's really charming we'll get there. on the screen, that means that he's just really charming in real life. <laughs> you know, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses, and we're going to address some of his weaknesses <laughs> a little bit later on. Uh, holy, so, holy shit. <laughs> so they respond, uh, Kira and Bashir respond to this damaged uh, <laughs> prison ship uh, that's uh, transferring uh, uh, the agent Kajada and then uh homeboy uh Bantika. And so they beam aboard. I love whenever you have a crew beaming aboard a situation, and then it's like they leave a perfect atmosphere and then go into a bad atmosphere, and then they have to like sync up their reactions of oh, we beamed over, oh, cough, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we get a little bit of that. Um, Kira runs off to handle a thing and then. Bashir immediately goes into, uh, I got to rescue, uh, rescue these people that are in, uh, in demise, uh, or in, in health, dire health straits. Kajada says, Hey, don't open that door. There's a prisoner behind there. It's just better off for you to just let the guy die. 
And Bashiro's like, uh, no, we don't let violent murderers die. Are you kidding me? And we can definitely talk about it. Absolutely love and support that Starfleet doesn't have a death penalty, that they don't treat, um, you know, murdering of a prisoner at, or letting a prisoner die as a just method of uh, criminal justice. You know, I absolutely love that. It is a little bit undercut at the end of the episode, <laughs> how they dispose of Antica, but we'll get there. Um, but I do love that Bashir's instinct is like, hey, I might be a smug, arrogant asshole, but I'm a doctor. Like, I took the Hippocratic Oath. Like, my responsibility is to help people no matter what. Right. Like, I'm legitimately trying to save lives out here. He he absolutely did the right thing. <laughs> It is a reminder, though, that uh, the Prime Directive doesn't exist in DSI. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I wondered if, like, if they're not brand new species, then they don't have to necessarily, like, would that apply? Because they clearly, yeah, they're, no, a, maybe clearly they're a post-warp civilization. To me, the spirit of the Prime Directive is, um, like, we don't impose our values in customs onto other people and we just kind of like respect the way that people do shit the way that like picard would always be like hey guys Worf's just doing a, a klingon thing like you know it is what yeah it is. yeah i mean <laughs> if picard was running that mission it's like oh you want me to let him die okay hands off that's you would- i'm gonna <laughs> let you take care of that but like a couple episodes before, we have Cisco going to be releasing Tosk to the hunters. And immediately they're like, well, there is this one loophole around the prime directive. And Cisco's like, go right ahead. Well, see, that's Picard would have ended up pontificating and they all would have died of smoke. <laughs> Kira wouldn't have been able to get over with a fire extinguisher quickly right. enough in her oven mitts yeah, yeah. Um, giant ass oven mitts <laughs> but like Cisco's thing and I love this one is the like listen I'm not like I can't actively do this thing but I can play dumb like with anybody you know so like like listen I, I don't know what happened the, the tracker beam was broken and the, this thing and the, that and the blah 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 and you know I'm just a big a big dumb baby what can i do just a i'm just a baby you know like let let it be like let them punish you for being stupid instead of having them punish you for being malicious right yeah it's uh lovely differences between the different star trek shows (laughs) (laughs) um Bashir was definitely having a, a, a problem with the fire that was happening speaking of kira's oven gloves uh it apparently it was a real big fire and uh Bashir was like uh, I ain't getting near that it seems like a little fire to me it seems like they were like on the patio at a bar or like like has Bashir has Bashir never made s'mores before like that apparently was a fire not. pit fire yeah apparently not whatsoever oh well so they end up uh, going back to the station, the guy that he was trying to save, Vantika, he died, but not before he could say, make me live, which like, we'll, find, <laughs> we'll find out later in the episode what that means. But like, 
that really just seems like an overly complicated way of saying, please help me. I'm dying. <laughs> um, that seems like someone who's really going for it in their one um literally like one credit. Line. Yeah. They're like they've got a sad credit, like to just sit there as the dead body in or to like do whatever. He's got this one line, he's like, I'm fucking doing this shit. I'm like, practicing this. in front of the mirror, like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna do it a big i i know the special effects with that fire like they're not going to want to reset that so i gotta nail this immediately um and boy did he good job it's you know it's um it's not the worst voice work in this episode (laughs) the it reminded me you know what i'm gonna save it for a 90s moment Ooh, okay remind remind me about uh you know oof the 90s well if you had told me when we were doing the outline earlier, I could have made my notes. Fine, I will edit on the fly because that's totally fun to do. What do you got to edit for? Just um, I'll, I'll say something at that time. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going. We don't need notes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we don't need those stinking notes referencing two movies back to back yay for us we're old okay so back on ts9 kajada is like uh where exactly am i what happened to ventika Bashir's like he's dead she's like are you sure he's like yeah i'm pretty damn sure she's like are you for sure for sure <laughs> like show me the goddamn body and Bashir's like i mean we got the cadaver over here if you want to take a look at it and she's like yes absolutely see he's really dead Mm, we'll see about that stab 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 (laughs) (laughs) that was that was one of my favorite things listen um she's bad at her job i'm sorry i'm sorry she takes it very seriously she does someone who takes it that seriously it's been 20 years like you needed to have you either needed to have made something happen or, or moved on with your life i mean she did have him captured for what it's worth he was captured year 20 in year 20, he's been captured a bunch of times. Let this she doesn't go. look I'm, that old. Listen, Maybe she started when she was in her teens. I'm you can't saying, expect, for you, listen, expect her to perform at peak performance. Then she needed to have just let that thing go. Maybe she was in a princess. She needed a princess to, police. A princess police. She could have been policing other people, harassing them, whatever. But she dedicated her whole life uh, unsuccessfully to this cause for 20 years. It's not like there's other people on the station that dedicate themselves to one single person. Uh, yes, there are. And they, they are similarly mocked by me. Fair so, point. Fair but point. I, but with all that being said, I do appreciate the, I need to make sure that this body is not a cake. And like, <laughs> a knife in there. I've been fooled before forever. (laughs) Is this actually a cake? (laughs) She was ready with a knife. It's like I'm either stabbing this guy or I'm getting myself a piece of cake. (laughs) Uh, This bitch tastes sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was honestly half expecting her to just chop off the dude's head. (laughs) For real, (laughs) I respected all of that. Like this, this man's made a fool of me before. I'm standing in front of all these. Up of all these human people, I'm just fool me once, shame yeah. on you. Fool me twice, I'm gonna get fooled again. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> so they do that whole thing. Kajada leaves, Bashir is doing his thing. We go to Quark's, 
this show is never too far away from its roots. And by roots, I mean Gene Roddenberry's horniness. So we have Quark, who is talking about smooth, pliant flesh when it comes to Dax. You have Odo being like, I respect women's privacy. Bullshit. You're literally, last episode, you were a bottle of wine watching Vosh do umox on Quark. So no, you don't respect anyone's privacy. Um, Odo was talking about everyone else on the station is wanting to get with Dax. He specifically said every man on the station is wanting to get with Dax, which, correction, everyone on the station is, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> come on. Everyone thinks All of us watching are trying to get with Dax. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. But, like, it is so bizarre that that's how the episode, like, really, really kicks off in the first act is, we're going to talk about how hot Dax is like the first, I mean, what we're on episode eight and we're still trying to figure out how this show is wanting to handle Dax. Like they had a whole ass Dax episode last week, which was awesome, but there's still like, it was like the beginning of a couple of episodes. It's been being like, woof, going to have to take a while to get used to your new body. And then all the other people on the station being like, woof, look at that new body. You have Bashir every episode be like, woof, I want to get in that body. And we're still doing that. And it's like, she's not groundbreaking territory. A woman is more than her attractiveness. It's not groundbreaking. And yet this show cannot get over that. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. Some women, however, their attractiveness is a lot to get over. <laughs> and, and, you know, Dax on this show is one of those people where you're like, you are smart. You got like 18 degrees and goddamn. <laughs> like, hey, I'm queer and I'm very certainly queer for Dax too. But like, good Lord. They, everybody, needs Come to, on. Like, everybody needs to get a control of themselves. Like they're embarrassing themselves out here. Quirks, quirks basically say that like he rubs his ears to Dax at night. Like it's really Probably like is. it's really gross. Uh, last episode, Bashir, super gross. This episode, like pliant skin, like pliant you know, flesh, flesh. You said flesh and pliant. Like I need you to be on whatever watch list there is, and I like I'm anti cop, and I'm like someone <laughs> needs to do something about this guy. Truly, honestly, like we, need, we need a community intervention with Quark. Like, hey, listen, I know the way that you treat your Dabo girls. This is like even a step further than that. Like, this it, is really gross. It is. In the line of dialogue, Quark is saying it's good to want things. Odo says, even things you can't have. Quark says, especially things I can't have. Oh, oh. Although, I mean, oh. he's a capitalist, and that is capitalism, you know, to a degree. And, you know, we, we understand how Franganar, uh, what their laws are about women. But, like, oh, so gross. It's so gross. I don't understand how every episode, like, he talks about Gene Roddenberry's horniness, but... Um, and I haven't done like a rewatch of TOS in a while. Like, the, but I know that that shows like super ho horny, but this feels less horny and more like 
felonious. You know what I mean? Like, this is less just like, oh, hey, like, it's the, it's the 60s. Why don't we all, like, get naked and have sex with each other? This feels very much more like uh, we're going to creep until we get in. Like, it's really gross. Next Gen had some of that, too, where, like, the only storylines they could write for Troy were ones where she's being violated. Right. Yeah. Um, but even that felt like that was direct violation, and you're like, oh, this is bad. The, like, everybody on this show is a fucking creep. Yeah, and uh, I was actually, uh, because I was so freaking annoyed with the retrospect Voyager episode, I was like, there's got to be some Star Trek podcast that has talked about this episode. Uh, and I found an episode of uh, Women, at, Women at Warp, uh, shout out to them, uh, where they talked about it. And they pointed out that, like, you know, they were like, hey, remember all that fun violation story content that we did with uh, with Troy? Let's do that, but with seven. <laughs> it's like, ugh, don't want to do that. And it is like, I mean, I'm, I don't really recall off the top of my head that I don't remember there being like a lot of violation stuff uh, in, in DS9, but I'm sure we'll find an episode at some point. But it is kind of interesting that they skipped over DS9 and did the whole we're going to violate women on tng then we're going to violate women on voyager but it is just everyone's just being a creep uh they're like why focus on violation storylines when we just have for for ferengis being creeps <laughs> and like everyone else. it makes you the way the way that all the men operate on these shows makes you like wish that you just had kirks and rikers where they're like hey you want to have sex? Yeah, let's have a great time. You know, like yeah, and that's what it was like. They were they were having sex with all these people on their ships, you know, subordinates and whatever. But like, it felt a lot more like upfront and consensual than uh, whatever is happening here, where Bashir decides he's going to like follow Dax to her room. Yeah, after she it, said no, I don't want you to like come up with more entertaining ways to keep me awake tonight like so gross it's it's absolutely and it's just it's wild that you know for most of these episodes they're written by men and it's just crazy that like you know and there was just an abundance of really up until like the last five years and men complain about the fact that they haven't had these five years but so much of the like courting quote unquote um is just like it's just really creepy and i mean this none of this is groundbreaking what i'm saying it's just it's just very sexual assaulting yeah it's uh it's rough stuff rough stuff Anyways. uh let's <laughs> let's move on to a profession that uh certainly does not have any amount of rape and uh, sexual assault in its uh in its history and that is law enforcement uh we get to be introduced to lieutenant premen um well actually really before before that uh <laughs> odo says i'm watching you quark and then quark replies and i'm watching you jadzia creepy just want to add on that little <laughs> button of creepiness uh from quark but so we get a, a introduction to lieutenant premen <laughs> odo is not pleased uh you know he's premen is like 
do you do you always leak important operation information to the local black market? And notice like the way I handle my business is none of your concern. And like, Premin's not entirely wrong. Obviously, Odo is doing his, you know, feeding information thing, whatever. But it's like they have an immediately contentious relationship. It's two people fighting over territory. Premin is Starfleet security. You've got Odo is like, hey, I'm the security dude. I'm the constable on the station and immediately kind of butting heads. And they set a later meeting, but I don't think that's going to turn out very well for either of them. Yeah, this is kind of a funny thing. Um, Odo wants to be the lone wolf. Like, I'm the lone ranger. Like, I'm the sheriff out here. I'm the constable. This is my this is my domain. And he gets so sensitive and like loses his shit whenever he has to abide by any rules or have any oversight whatsoever. Like he just can't handle it. And um, you immediately get this sort of clash between two different styles of law enforcement where you have sort of the like liberal technocratic um, style with Starfleet where you know, they, they decide that, 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 you know, they're going to, to limit their power with rules and regulations and processes and, you know, people's rights and blah, blah, blah. Whereas, you know, Odo's more, represent, more representative of a more like conservative, like, listen, we need to take away, we need to strip away bureaucracy and allow the, the good men, the men who protect us, the heroes, like be out there and do their thing. And so you have, um, you know, like this guy looking at Odo, like, hey, you're, you know this dude's out here doing shady shit. You never actually stop him. You're always just hanging out in the bar. Like, um, what are we doing? And then you have at the same time, Odo looking back at this dude and being like, you don't know anything. You just parachute into communities. And, you know, you live in the suburbs and you're coming here into the city trying to like, you know, police these people, but you don't know these people, they don't trust you, you don't blah, blah, blah. I know how to do this thing better. And you, and it's just really funny the way that, that their conflict lines up in some of the like policing debates that we have still to this day. And the thing is, is that Starfleet, cops. Odo, <laughs> cops. And you get liberals, like you get, you know, Democrats, Republicans yelling at each other about the way that like police should be but the reality is is that both of them are just going to like give unlimited funding give unlimited scope give unlimited weaponry and they 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 do their own thing and so like the liberal sides like to feel better about themselves because they have like initiatives and rule books and whatever um but the reality is is that just like Odo, none of these cops want any kind of oversight, right? Which is why, like, ultimately they're an undemocratic institution because they're accountable to no one. And we see, like, you, you know, throughout this episode, Odo constantly losing his shit at anybody trying to tell him anything. Mm -hmm. You know, like, hey, maybe you could do this, maybe we could do that. 
maybe you could work with this group and he's just like if i can't just do literally whatever i want without anybody ever telling me anything like i'm out like i'm not doing this and so it's just funny like seeing the way that they they easily slot into um these debates that turns out are like tale as old as time type shit, <laughs> you know with, between the cops and you have again like the starfleet guy which by the way primin that dude's got a cop-ass face he really does <laughs> that dude that dude looks like a cop mm. that dude uh old mr banana suit man face. <laughs> <laughs> look at the look at the shape of his face he looks like a like a banana suit man or like a mr peanut ass face <laughs> okay listen i don't know that's that's neither here nor there. It's just an observation. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but between, you know, Starfleet and, um, you know, Odo and the way that he, he does this, like, neither side imagines what it could be without police altogether. It's, like, assumed to be this immovable, natural thing as if God designed them into the fabric of society. You know, as many, like, many people truly believe this. Odo's been proven to always break the law when it comes to suspects' rights or his manner of investigation. There's no rules, like, as of yet that he could break that would dissolve his role. Like, there's nothing that he could do, good or bad, like, or bad or incompetent or malicious that's going to make anybody question his role there. And, Mm -hmm. like, in the parallel, it's the same way where, like, both sides of the aisle, as they say, can't conceive of a way of organizing society without the police in their role. You right. know, like in the same way, like the police here are known to always lie. Mm-hmm. Like whenever anybody bothers to look, they're always caught up in some new lie. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like the the Uvalde situation, you know, an utterly horrifying situation. The second the police started talking about it, it was lie number one, lie number two, lie mm-hmm. number three. They were caught in lie number one. They say they're caught in a lie, so then they say another thing, and that ended up being a lie again. And like all the way through to now, they're like, uh, we're not going to release the body cams because that might show strategy to <laughs> other people who are planning yeah. the shooting. As if like, oh yeah, you mean the strategy of just like standing around and beating up parents of children who are actively being murdered? Wow. Like, is that is that the thing that we're worried about them seeing? Yeah. You know, like these police are known to violate people's rights, burst into homes, kill family members or like pets, plant evidence. And rather than curbing violence, these end up becoming the people who are the most violent in society. Like, um, beyond the, the brutality that you see the police do, when they get into their homes, they're the, they're the group of people that's second most likely to abuse um, physically, like, sexually, however, their partners. Like, second just to the military, which, again, like, is another... Rush. Like, the, the, two, the two state-sanctioned violent, like, careers are the ones that have the highest rates of domestic violence like mm-hmm. also high high rates of suicide which is another form of violence like it's just despite all of this despite the way that like they could kill people and 
lie about it, like Google LASD games, <laughs> you know, like there's just all this stuff. No matter, like it doesn't matter what the thing is, the answer is always just more police. Right. When the, the Uvalde situation happens, there's 150 cops that are standing around. And the first thing that the president says is, we want to thank our first responders, the people who let children die. Former presidents, like chief of staff or whatever, says like, you know, the failures of these police really just show us how much we need police. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, and, and all that happens whenever any of these things come up, whenever they murder somebody, whenever they are shown to like be like actual literal cowards, mm-hmm. the answer is always more money, more guns, more police. The, the superintendent of the Uvalde school district said that he's going to hire more police. Already mm-hmm. half of their city's budget goes to this. And it's just the, the la- there's a lack of imagination, you know, like even if you were to say that, well, there is all this violence, there is this like chicanery, but we're willing to put up with it because of the benefit. But there isn't the actual benefit because as you see, like, they're there after the thing has happened and they don't solve the thing that happened in the first place. So like, what are we doing? Like, can we imagine a different way of curbing violence? Like, can we imagine a world that looks a little bit more like Star Trek where, you know, the people's basic needs are covered. And in so like, you just don't have the same, the same level of violence and, felt need for policing like think about i found this interesting like think about next generation the way that they don't really have like cops there right no not really you have a chief of security but their job is mainly like hey if aliens board us and try to do something (laughs) right like the board come over and they're trying to assimilate us like let's let's try to like keep that from happening yeah but they're not they're not like posted up like um you know like uh going out and like racially profiling uh betazoids or something you know like <laughs> they're not out there giving tickets they're not doing this stuff like it's a completely different thing that's based on security and even like they're not patrolling the halls they're not right i was security. right about saying yeah they're not doing the surveillance Worf had a tendency towards intrusive and violent behavior at times, but Picard was always there to be like, hey, it's actually important that this isn't what you do and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be this way. And so like, that's really interesting to me, like, especially compared to the way that like Odo does business. But it's even more interesting that Star Trek, in order to make the crime, like, like sort of the grittiness on Deep Space Nine, Star Trek it had to bring money into the equation. Mm-hmm. Like the capitalist on board brings, like, a, he is responsible for a large portion of the chaos and violence that right. happens. Right. Right. And there's just not a conceivable reason for there to be such crime and violence on the station without the money and I, I it's really interesting I feel like that means that means something the way that like there's no scarcity in the federation so like you still have 
you know, like adultery still exists or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> there's still reasons, there's still reasons to kill a person, right? Like, uh-huh. but it's, it's not the same type of everyday, like we got to figure out a way to maintain like some order in the way that the way that they do on Deep Space Nine without sure. bringing in the latinum and the money and the sort of engineered scarcity. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I think those are really solid points. It's just, it's really interesting that the difference, that that's the difference. And I was trying to like hold on, like try to think about what it is that, that makes for such a different environment here. And obviously there's also like geopolitical things happening. Like the, the, the planet that was there was decimated by an invading group. Like there's a lot of things going on, but fundamentally the thing to make, make it make sense on the station was they added the money in. Yeah. So. One of the many differences between TNG and DS9. Yep. Yep. All right. We have an exposition minute in ops. Uh, it's a classic couple characters start saying something. And then one character is like, oh, what? And unfortunately, that duty fell on to Kira in this episode. Um, it's it's a rough look for Kira, but, you know, someone had to do it, I guess. And they don't have O'Brien to, to play that part in this episode. Um, so they do a little bit of exposition minute. We have Prim and Odo doing a little bit more fighting for territory. Uh, Prim is like, oh, tough crowd around here, isn't it? If you want my opinion, and Cisco immediately is like, actually, I don't. Why don't you just go leave and take care of your situation with uh, with Odo directly? Okay, don't bug me. All right, clear. Okay, this, yeah. This is once again, um, Cisco's a great manager. Oh, the best. Like, hey, um, did like did someone do something wild and crazy that I need to know about? No, you y'all are just having your own thing. Y'all are just arguing amongst yourselves. Okay, let's keep let's make let's keep it that. Mm-hmm. Y'all figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. You know, some real, uh, yeah. This is not my business. Why are you bringing this to me? Yeah, exactly. It's the best. Uh, Paul, and this is between y'all. <laughs> uh, uh, so we have Primin like trying to apologize. And I, I mentioned it earlier, but the, listen, this is your bailiwick. I know that. It's the weakest apology possible. Uh, even Odo is like, okay, bud, whatever. Don't worry about it. They're going to reference some security measures that they have in place, but uh-oh, the security measures are missing. <laughs> and that is Kajada's perfect cue to be like, aha, I was just walking by your office that had a completely open door. And of course they're raw. Of course they're gone. But Vantika did the exact same thing on another planet. And it's, it's just like to- the best, like she's just, uh, I was just waiting for my cue, like literally just standing right outside the office being like, aha, yes, what pretty, you're thinking is impossible did happen. It's pretty great that they're they're talking so loudly with the office door open. Like, <laughs> right. Anybody, everybody in the promenade knows that like the security net's down. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'll have like the, like, it's not even a confidential conversation with my manager. My manager is still like, close the door. We don't, it's, we don't want someone to hear, but it's like, not exactly dealing with security measures for <laughs> this 
highly important and sensitive material. Like, it's one, on. of, one of my favorite things in sports is because the cameras are so good now and they zoom in so well and they catch everything. Yeah. Um, like, at some point, like, coaches were talking on the sidelines and reporters were like, or like people like lip readers were able to figure out what they were saying. <laughs> yeah. Or like the same thing where like players would be talking to each other and they'd be like making fun of somebody and people would lip read and it causes drama. So now like <laughs> everybody, like all coaches have their like notes on, you know, like a laminated sheet. They always have it like over their face and players are always talking to each other, like with a hand covering their face or like a towel over their face. And it's just really funny that they're all like walking around, like, someone's listening meanwhile odo like like mr surveillance is just oh i don't know guys like, I, ironically when it comes to sports people that's what i call them because i know sports uh during covid be like if you don't want to use a mask for personal safety reasons use a mask so no one knows what you're what you're saying like no one can read your lips like if you're on live television and you're trying to say a shit about a, a, a teammate or if you're trying to call out a play wear a mask wear a it's mask. good for public safety <laughs> and you can keep your shit private like i went to a star wars convention i went to star wars celebration a couple of weekends ago and not enough people were wearing were were wearing masks. That's beside the point. I was just so happy that I was wearing a mask because I kept on walking around the exhibit hall, be like, "Oh my god, that's so cute! Oh my god, that's so cute! Oh my god, that's so cute!" And no one knew what I was saying because I had a mask on, and no one knew that my lips were moving. It's great. I wasn't able to. I wasn't embarrassing myself any more than I usually do. Masks well, you're are great. Embarrassing yourself right now, talking about Star Wars and the Star Trek pod. Uh, you know what? uh speaking of embarrassment uh Bashir we'll get to it later but uh Bashir feels quite humiliated about the uh events but he should have been feeling humiliated about something else so uh we get to everyone uh including Kajada talking in ops they're doing a lot more exposition dump there are an awful lot of sections of exposition dump in this episode um <laughs> Odo and uh Prim Primen are dishing out orders to the security personnel and Odo immediately is like uh Cisco can I talk to you for a second and they go into Cisco's office and Cisco's like what's on your mind Odo says my resignation just immediately that boy just loves attention and he is a messy bitch but he just like so quick uh, to, to put in his resignation. Even Cisco is like, you're overreacting. And Odo's like, so you knew what's going on? And he like, Cisco has to talk him down as if he's a toddler because he is a toddler and explain, don't worry, you're still in charge, constable. And I was like, don't call me constable. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's a term of affection, okay? We like you here. And he's just like, I need reassurance that I'm in charge. Okay? Give me that reassurance that I'm in charge. <laughs> Listen, this dramatic beige bitch is... Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, like, he's just like the police to where, like, if you're not getting full, full admiration at all times, you just quit. 
Like remember, uh, yeah. like any time they murder like a, a black guy or something, and people are like, "Hey, we don't like it when you murder black guys." The yeah. police are always like, "Well, if you say this, then we're just not gonna like do our jobs. We're not gonna come in today. Right. We're not gonna make any arrests. <laughs> we're gonna blah blah blah." And you're like, "Wait, what? Like, yeah, if you're gonna like not show us the proper like gratitude or whatever, like we're saying that like we don't want you to to murder people. Like, oh, well, you know." We're that's just, just asking a lot that's like, asking away. a lot like um you know as an aside hmm. they didn't show up to work and like crime didn't really change because hey. they're not really here to, so, to like stop or solve crimes but it was just funny too because like the media gets on and they're like guys you can't you can't say mean things <laughs> about the police they're not going to come around and do their jobs anymore <laughs> oh like, my god and you're like these people uh these people like won't do their jobs if their feelings are hurt like even a little bit like you'll work any job anywhere like i've had a boss work retail for two seconds work retail for two seconds i all i watch are people going into waffle houses and (laughs) training employees and fighting them and stuff yeah like like if there's anyone who needs to like quit because they're not giving enough respect at their jobs like you're not you're not anywhere on the list you get you get free coffee everywhere in America. Like, you right. chill out. <laughs> My oh, no. goodness. Oh, no. I quit. <laughs> I really wanted to see that, like, followed through because where is Odo going? What's he doing? It's not like he's got any friends. Well, he can always go back and work for the Cardassians again. Mm. <laughs> oh, his, sense, his sense of justice allows him to work for the Nazis and for the, okay, all right. Yeah. You know, it's it's his brand of justice. I get it's it. All good. It's his brand of justice. So they're trying to sort out what exactly is going on. Turns out there's a, a murderer on the loose. Um, and uh, we have a little bit of, you know, speaking of Cisco being a great manager, we have Cork being a horrible manager. Here's <laughs> the thing. I don't understand the logic of you're not doing a good enough job finding things for me to steal at the end of the shift. So I want you to go home and make my job harder. Like all that's going to do is cause him to complain about his employees again for like, I was up all night scrubbing the floors because you weren't doing your jobs. I I just like, if I were one of Cork's employees, it's like, you didn't do this well and go home. But like, wait, all right. Really? <laughs> that, all right. That's a surprise. Okay. <laughs> Clock, uh, clocking right out <laughs> yeah you know the working conditions have to be bad if even the other Ferengis are like oof <laughs> I'm not feeling it <laughs> uh, anyways uh, so <laughs> we have our first glimpse of uh, Alexander Siddig's voice work uh, when he's choking out <laughs> uh, choking out Quark and uh, it's not a great first glimpse not a big fan. Not a big it's, fan at all. It's so I'm say like this entire episode, I'm just like in Chuck, like, how can you be that bad? It's and this this yeah. is like we're not even like we're gonna get to it. Like it's so bad. Yeah, it's 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 really, really bad. Uh, the table starts to turn where people are thinking, well, maybe Ventika went into Kajada's body. And so they're starting to suspect Kajada. They're like, 
uh, okay, well, let's just surveil the shit out of her. And Oda's yes, like, it's probably the person who's been telling you, hey, this dude's still alive when you didn't believe it, insisting that he's still alive. Yeah, she's probably <laughs> the one who's, and, and, uh, who's doing this. And not the doctor that is not entirely doing his job. <laughs> yeah, and just like not there sometimes. <laughs> and then there and acting weird. Like he, he hasn't tried to sexually assault Dax all episode. Like you, you honestly know that it wasn't him. Right. That actually is the tell. Yeah. Yeah. That actually, you're right. Actually, that is, uh, that is the tell. Um, Kajada gets annoyed with Odo that uh, she's not being included in all of the security planning uh, because they're keeping a watchful eye on her, of course. And (laughs) Kajada's like, uh, what kind of fool are you? Odo says, my own special variety. Ha, I have a witty comeback to Kajada. My own special variety of fool. Ha. He was really excited about it. He was like, don't tell her anything. When she, when she finds out, she'll come to me. Like, exactly. he was looking for, this was the highlight of his week. Oh, entirely. So she immediately is like, hey, what about that shady ass looking Ferengi across the hall? <laughs> what about him? He's like, uh, yeah. She's like, I think, uh, I think maybe we should put him under surveillance. Odo says, I always keep an eye on him. And Kajada is like, sure, buddy. Okay, if you say so. Meanwhile, he is across the hall having a secret meeting with Derg and a whole bunch of other people. And they're literally going over all the details. Kajada spies in on them. And then she gets pushed off the railing. Uh, off the third floor balcony she's holding on but then she lets loose like i don't entirely buy that that is one healthy fit woman who is like i gotta be athletic and you know doing my job catching murderers and all that she kind of fell off a little bit too easy in my opinion the whole thing made no sense no they just needed this episode is very clunky and it, the it is. is very clunky and there's it's so many exposition dumps there's yeah. so many we just need to put this person wherever there's so many like the technology doesn't make sense where like you're able to switch the consciousness of one person into another person's brain yeah and then you're able to like move that consciousness into a computer chip but it takes you like five to seven business days to get DNA <laughs> run right like, exactly. what are we doing here this is just it, the writing and the acting yeah tough one and it's like there's plenty of other episodes where they have to sideline a character for the entire episode right um and that's what they did with kajada being like hey she fell and she's going to be knocked out until literally the end of the episode it's just other episodes have done it better you know that's that's Mm -hmm. just my issue other episodes have done it better uh you have cork being a defensive businessman uh, when they're watching over her in sick bay, which is absolutely hilarious. He's just like, it's it's one of those weird things about Quark is like they'll set him up as being absolutely vile in one part of the episode, and then he's like cute and charming in another part of the episode, mm-hmm. which good. Quark has range, Armin Shimmerman has range, good for him, you know. Uh, Armin Shimmerman, just like you know, there's a lot of bad acting on DS9, but I think that he like he's top tier like in terms oh, of yeah. like the better you know top two three actors on this show he's always consistent yeah kids like there's there aren't really moments with him where i'm like 
holy shit, like Odo, whenever he has to try pressing buttons, like <laughs> clear that the actor doesn't have a computer at home or whatever. Like, right. He's just like beep, 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 like, oh, and he's just shaking, like he doesn't know what to do. You know, like um Kira has some moments hmm. that are tough. Bashir is awful. You know, where's uh where's O'Brien right now, by the way? I just uh, you know. I'm not like I'm not gonna ask about like why the why the actors off the show like Colmini has his reasons. It's not my sure. business. Vladdy mm-hmm. King could get away for a bit, but I just hope that right now you know like last week the 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 O'Briens went to see Keiko's mother for her birthday on Earth, and I just hope that the reason that they're not back yet is because you know they found a good family counselor you know doing a little marriage. A little marriage therapy, you know, trying to find that spark. Honestly, <clears throat> here's an alternative option. Uh, they're like, oh, great. We get to celebrate Keiko's mother's birthday. But you know what else we get by going to Earth? We get a babysitter. So they drop Molly off with <laughs> Keiko's 100-year-old mother. And they went to Risa. They didn't see each other the entire trip. Oh. But they went to Risa and they... They uh, they did what they needed to do for their relationship. And again, they should have an explicitly open polyamorous relationship on the show. Clearly. It's no, I don't think that they clearly need a polyamorous relationship on the show. I don't think that's the issue. Well, uh, uh, the episodes with Miles and uh, Kira later on? Later on, like, yeah, that's sure. But that was when... Like the marriage was at a completely different place at that point. There were like there was nothing like the marriage was really strong and good. Their marriage isn't struggling because of their sex lives. Like their marriage is struggling because <laughs> Kiko she hates whisked her away from a fucking cruise ship. <laughs> yeah, she was on. <laughs> yeah, because she was on the Enterprise when he was working twelve-hour shifts, and now she's on Deep Space Nine, and he's working twenty-hour shifts. And there's literally nothing for her here. It's dark. It's hot. It's Cardassian. It's a mess. It's just her and a shitty kid. What all we've heard about over the course of this pandemic is that all parents hate their children. <laughs> it was just masked up till now. Because they could send them to school or daycare or whatever. And now that they've had to like be at home from work and their kids are home at the house, they can't stand them. Anytime you hear anything about adult like parents, they're all just complaining about their children. And what does Keiko have? A f- like a fucking four year old. Yeah. All day. That's all she's got all day. There's and then, of course, when she teaches the other kids on the station, yeah, she needs a break. Dealing with more shitty kids. Yeah. Like she's she's a botanist. You know what I'm like? She's looking for. Some she has plans. to deal with Nog. All of it. Like. Yeah. That, being poly at this moment isn't helping their marriage that just is gonna like that's yeah that's that's not the key like communication is key in all relationships especially with with a polyamorous relationship i'm just saying yeah that's not that's not the root of their problem communication is key in all relationships especially open and polyamorous relationships right now they're in the working on their communication stage which by is good that, so that, that they can I mean, bolster their relationship for other changes and additions by communication i mean saying one word to each other at all 
like <laughs> by communication i mean seeing mm. each other at any point during the day <laughs> uh and including when your when your husband is on his deathbed <laughs> anyways <laughs> um uh, back to the back to this episode, we have uh, Cisco and Bashir kind of talking about Kajada and trying to figure out like, hey, can we maybe find out if Intaka is is in her brain? And Bashir is like, well, we're gonna have to treat her injuries before I can conduct any brain scans. And is this Bashir not being good at his job because Vantika is controlling him, or is he just not good at his job? Like it sets up at the beginning of the episode, he's very much good at his job, so this could be a tell that that's not really Bashir in there at the moment, but like maybe Bashir has his strengths and weaknesses when it comes to being a doctor. For real. You know, they, they really like they, the one writing thing that they did was foregrounding this episode. Like at the very beginning, they were talking about a guy or a woman who was alive, but looked dead. Yeah. And now they've got like the dead guy who's actually like alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're doing this like little yeah, clever thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it's, um, I think it's just bad writing. I don't think it's it might I be don't think it necessarily is either of those things. It might be. Uh, Cisco leaves to go chat with uh, with Dax. I love whenever they have their banter, and it's like their kind of banter is really really starting to gel in this episode like dax is saying i've been asking myself why anyone would want to induct a bioelectrical charge into a glial cell and cisco without a beat says a question i've always wondered about and perfect perfect timing with each other perfect chemistry perfect little interaction that they have and like that is the cisco and dax relationship that we're so used to seeing throughout the rest of the series and it's nice to see it coming together um just in this tiny little interaction you know it's like really yeah right and i've said it before that i think that season one of ds9 does a better job of establishing characters establishing relationships with each other than other series do like it's you know sure every season one of star trek shows has their their down episodes you know not every season one is beat for beat perfect but so far like this series just does such a good job of setting up the character characterizations the character interpersonal relationships that we get to enjoy throughout the rest of the series yeah no it seems that the strategy on some of the other Star Trek shows for the first season was to have like big episodes, yeah, big, yeah. big like story things, whereas DS9 focused instead on the characters. And I think that, you know, we talk about this episode like being marked by kind of bad acting and bad writing. The next episode, you know, was much derided. So they, they're, and like the the peaks aren't as frequent, I don't think, in the first season, yeah. but they really have a high floor because they're so you know character driven, and it really sets them up with a foundation moving forward mm-hmm. where we we really know these people and they have they have real relationships with each other, you know, like on yeah on TNG like Riker, like you're not really sure like what is he like his character shifts a little bit over time. Um, You know, there aren't 
you have like Jordy and Data. You have a couple relationships, but they're still like five, six season in seasons in being like, what if we did like Worf and Deanna? Or what mm-hmm. if we did like they're still kind of like grasping at stuff, whereas DS9 is like very established very quickly. Yeah, and I think it also helps that they had the right number of cast members um, immediately, right? Like TNG had just one extra person and, um, you know, it's no shit against Denise Crosby, you know, and there are the reasons why why she left or why she was asked to leave or whatever, um, that whole thing. Uh, I'm blanking on the details right now, so I don't really want to, you know, uh, imply anything that happened but it they did have one extra cast member you know and very evident by the fact that you had Worf and and Tasha Yar like right next to each other on the same station and it's like eh, pick one you know mm-hmm. and uh even on on Voyager like they had the right number of cast members from the beginning and just not the right configuration um you know, when Kess left and Seven came in, it's like, there we go. That was the right configuration. And for DS9, they just had the right number right at the beginning. And then when they added Worf, it was like, okay, we get to add someone and then figure out how it works. And it took them a little while to figure out how to fully integrate Worf into the show, but they just started off with the right number of cast members. So anyways, my my favorite part of the end of this scene with uh uh with Cisco and Dax is Cisco's like, hey, great work. And Dax is like, thanks, while she's just holding a dead man's hand. <laughs> and she is like <laughs> yeah. looks so proud uh of herself <laughs> and like so glad that she got that compliment from Cisco. Meanwhile, she's just holding this dead guy's hand. It's she's 350 years old, she's been around some bodies. She's uh, she's seen a cadaver or two. <laughs> so builds like a hundred Klingons. You know, it's like she's good. Yeah. So the episode sets up like one last minute of uh, who actually did it. You know, where uh, Kira is doling out instructions for security stuff. Odo's like, "Hey, where's Prinum? I thought he was with you. I thought he was with you. That kind of thing." So it's like, oh, maybe Prinum is the is is actually Vintaka, but. You know, it's it's not. They quickly turn away from that, like within ten seconds. Yeah. He, just, um, he learns something from the from the sheriff of Nottingham. You know, you really like <laughs> added to his repertoire. Look, I'm learning. Yeah, my thing, my my frustration with that moment was Odo never likes using his com badge because he went off to go find Prinum when he could have just been like Odo to Lieutenant Prinum. <laughs> or a computer <laughs> wears lieutenant print them. <laughs> yeah like it was funny because like cisco cisco was like in in sick bay or whatever he's like i wonder where dax dax is at he's like computer where's dax right like, he's not even like he's not even making the phone call he's just like yeah right, i don't want to like wait three rings just where's she at it's it's the easiest thing it's like i've got the find me app on my phone and it's like oh okay i see where mom is cool it's that's it. Yeah. Yep. I did not, you know. Uh, so Quark leads his uh, his comrades uh, for this whole deal situation to uh, to the docking ring, and we see that Vantika is Bashir, and we get to hear a full first glimpse of Bashir doing his god awful voice work. 
My lord. My lord. Such a bad actor. My god. It is anytime that you need to ask that man to do some voice work or play a different character, it is oh really rough. It is really, really bad, unconscionably bad. I don't understand it bad. And he's not doing like one bad thing. He's he's like flipping between like four bad things. And it's he, like he does the voice, then at times he like puts eight spaces between words. <laughs> yeah. Like it just it's so weird. I don't understand it. I don't know what he's trying to do. I think that he's like, I'm being controlled by somebody, so I need to be yeah, more robotic right. or something, but he's not being more robotic yeah. really. Like nothing that he's doing is successful like he's flailing around and i needed the director i needed somebody to be looking out for my guy okay so i'm gonna step on the episode trivia uh (laughs) real quick which is gonna really really uh, trim down our episode trivia for this episode but uh alexander acidic originally spoke in a different voice and accent while possessed by uh by the alien ventaka After shooting, it was decided that this voice didn't work, so Siddig re-recorded his lines. As a result, much of his dialogue in the episode is actually dubbed. However, (laughs) I love this trivia note. However, it is generally thought by fans that the new voice and accent doesn't work either. (laughs) The, The thing that's astonishing about what you just told me is that there was something that he did that was significantly worse (laughs) (laughs) what how is this possible yeah it's uh it's 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 rough but how did how did how does interested get this job because he didn't have to do voice work in the audition like do you watch barry at all no i just you should watch barry okay but anyway like (laughs) for anyone who watches barry um the like gene cusano school of acting and they just got all these jokers in there doing taking acting lessons or whatever this is one of them getting a television show and then this is on them on tv like trying to act but they never could and they never were supposed to get a television show and that's alexander Sinek. like he was he was somewhere in the valley taking acting classes with some like never made it act like wannabe actor who's charging way too much and he got a call somehow because he's british and handsome charming and handsome british charming charming. young like it's everything was all in his favor until they did him had had him do voice work they were like (laughs) the producers were like fuck we should have had that in the audition or then they like, would have chosen someone. But I don't know. They did this, but then they wrote him that episode where he got old. Oh God. I I don't I don't want to anticipate that. Like <laughs> I just don't want to think about that until it comes time to us recording that episode. I, I like I, I'm just blocking that out of this out this of my particular memory. episode really is like it was the best of times it was the worst of times (laughs) with the teaser at the top where he's just being like full charming Bashir yeah and this at the bottom where he's being like I'm trying to act right now Bashir okay but you know what was the best of times we talked about it two episodes ago 
it's a different set of circumstances but he did the whole leaving the badge behind and Dax comes to the infirmary to try to find Bashir and she's like hello you know locate uh locate Bashir (laughs) and the badge is there she did she walked in uh like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction (laughs) (laughs) she was looking around like I don't know I don't know where where could he be there's no way where could he be (laughs) where is he she was like he's in sickbay I'm like you dumb like DS9 is a surveillance state. <laughs> how it's it's small. It's relatively small. How you think that there's like, cameras everywhere? We were like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Where could he be? <laughs> like, yeah, computer's like, I don't know. How it's it's wild, but still, I love leaving the badge behind. It's the best. It's, it's the best. Yeah, we, we love it. Yeah, uh, Primen impresses Odo uh, by figuring out how to, uh, you know that he figured out the device that Ben Talkin had placed to sabotage the system. And Odo's like, respect. Okay. Uh, I like you fellow cop. (laughs) Let's go beat (laughs) up some people later. (laughs) Um, We have the moment where Dax comes into ops and explains that Bashir is nowhere to be found. She didn't uh, be like, Hey, Dax to ops, Bashir ain't here. She didn't do that. She didn't say, uh, look out for Bashir. Is he, is he in ops? Is he somewhere else? Whatever. She gets into ops. She opens up the door, crosses the threshold, takes like 10 steps, and then finally says, Bashir is in here. Like, you could have been shouting that as <sighs> soon as you walked in the door. Time like, even before the, the do- even before the door opened, you could have been like, Bashir's not here. Like, rattle it out whatever but she took her time because this episode is slow paced in the final act like you'd think the final act would be very quick paced no they're gonna slow that shit down um on the cargo uh on the cargo vessel we have you know Vintakin's crew they be Vantika's crew I keep on messing up his name whatever the aliens crew beams over they take control of the ship uh Bashir dude thinks that they're good to go uh, but then the tractor beam attaches on and it's like, no, how is that possible? You know? And it, like, just the, like, and not even doing Kirk, you know, Kirk acting the halting voice. It's just, <laughs> Bashir's just doing the strangest thing. He's got like a weird head tilt. Like, it's like, does he think he's the Terminator or something? It is just so fucking bizarre. The choices that he is making and the choices that they allow him to get away with. Um, either way, Bashir and Cisco talk back and forth. And eventually Dax figures out science solution. We can science our way out of this. I love a last minute science solution. And one of my favorite things about having Dax on DS9 is we don't have a science officer on, on TNG. And so we don't get that last minute science solution. It's always like an operations kind of solution because it's data figuring out something to do at the last minute, you know, but I like that there's the science solution. Uh, and so Dax gets to do that. They are able to retrieve Bashir. <laughs> uh, they beam Bashir over, but 
Bantika takes over his body for a second. And Cisco, without skipping a beat, shoots Bashir straight in the chest. Like, he's does not do hesitate at all. <laughs> for months, he's been like, please, God, somebody inhabit this. Honestly, man. Kira's upset that she didn't have a faster trigger finger. <laughs> yeah, Kira's always, Kira stays strapped. Where was she at? <laughs> Honestly. He should have been the one to shoot this man. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I just got in the West. Old <laughs> uh, so Dax is like, Hey, I can beam out this dude's essence out of Bashir into this little disc thing. This sequence takes way too fucking long. Like there's someone off camera doing like the universal sign for stretch, stretch that shit out because she is slowly walking from place to place, slowly taking out the tricorder, slowly talking. And it's, I don't understand it. It's the last act. They could have even skipped that scene. They could have been like, hey, we magic tested, you know. The writers said nothing else. They're like, listen, we got to get to 43 minutes. Y'all got to help. And somehow we're spending an hour and a half talking about this fucking episode. (laughs) It's whatever. It's fine. But of course, Gajada is uh, feeling better now. uh, uh, Now that it's the end of the episode. (laughs) And uh, she asked, you know, may I assume you return custody of the prison to me, Commander Cisco? What's left of him? She says, "Good," and immediately fires her phaser at the disc. And they're all just like, "Well, okay." As Starfleet, we don't believe in uh, murdering prisoners, but I guess we'll allow the Prime Directive to, to take over now that the episode is over. That's some. Uh, this is where like they really land their propaganda plane. You know, in this episode where like. From the beginning, like I said, they always, they foregrounded, um, you know, Bashir wants to save this prisoner. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, you got to like, this dude's, this dude's bad. You need to let him get killed. And it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But the thing is, the way that the propaganda works, the way that like, so much of this stuff in the 90s, and then, well, I mean, the way that like, you know, Dragnet started by LAPD, whatever. But, like, the way that it increasingly gets more reactionary, like, especially, like, you know, 9-11's coming up here soon. Um, But it's the, once again, like, true justice is being held back by bureaucrats and bureaucracies. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, these people are going to violate suspects' rights, but they know that they're right in their gut. And all these shows, the law and orders or whatever, they always show us that the cop is right. Yeah. But like in this, the cop was right to tell Bashir, let this dude die, because mm-hmm. if he lets this dude die, like none of this, you know, rigmarole's happening, right? Like it's not like this is just this would have been a non-story. Everybody would have been fine. No one would have gotten hurt. No one would have gotten inhabited, whatever. And it's just funny the way like they make it to where <laughs> they really do make it to where. Like, if you show any mercy, like, you're you're putting this all at risk. You know, like, um, if you tell Jack Bauer that he can't just, like, torture whatever random brown person he comes across. Yeah. You know, like, well, then, you know, maybe the president's killed or, like, mm-hmm. America ends <laughs> tonight, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like, or, you know, maybe you didn't actually get anything out of that. But in this episode... They really land the plane with, you know, at the end, the way that we, you know, sort of like finish the episode and be like, wow, job well done. 
is this lady murdering this guy who's now just a computer chip anyway? The like, end. This guy, <laughs> this guy turns into a USB stick and like, <laughs> and that's and that's it. She phases it. All right, lesson learned. Next time someone tells you to just kill a prisoner, just kill a prisoner. Yeah, it's uh well yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> it's uh it's not great. Well, hey, you know, um this is an episode of Star Trek DS9, and we got some good Cisco moments. We, we did got a, we got a great little Cisco and Dax scene, and yeah. again, we got god tier bashir um before we got hell tier bashir we got <laughs> we got god tier bashir with it was a real privilege to be there with you and it's like i'm glad you could you could you know come along yeah it's, it was good experience for you to see this like incredible shit well let's uh let's end on a high note of having that memory of bashir and let's pretend the rest of the episode with bashir didn't exist uh, <laughs> uh let's get into the episode trivia for some reason i cannot even believe when i read that this was a part of the episode trivia for some reason the writers scripted a song for quark to sing but what as evidence that there actually is a god they decided to not use it praise the prophets like my like god is real she is real and god is not dead god is not dead (laughs) part five Uh, so happy to so happy to i i don't like where where in the episode where was he going to be singing a song i you know what let's not let's not even think about it uh (laughs) that's the main one that i had uh you know there's the kind of commenting this is a little bit of a tease uh, if you're not closely following DS9 in future seasons, but uh, Odo's little territorial attitude toward Lieutenant Primum, uh, uh it's going to repeat with another Starfleet security officer in season three, uh, which is going to have uh, a, a very a long recurring character that is going to have a lot of uh, contribute to a lot of fun episode of, episodes of DS9. Yeah, that guy's bald. As opposed to the security officers wearing a toupee. Well, anyway, so triple quibbles. <laughs> um, my triple quibble for today is Gene Roddenberry is dead. You don't have to keep the horniness alive. We talked about it earlier, but my lord, we it's okay to tone down the horniness in Gene Roddenberry's absence. Again, or you could just make it horny. This is not like... Right, actually, like, actually put sex in it. It's just creepy. All I know is that the way that um, uh, how do you pronounce her name? Is it Majel Barrett? Sure. Uh, the way that she like her get down, you know, as Lux one of Troy, like, listen, I think that the Roddenberries as a unit were really having like a good time. They're from a particular era, mm. you know, like I don't know, I don't know how exactly it works, but whatever it is, it's not this. That seems a lot more fun. And, yeah, this just isn't uh, fun. Commune like this seems this seems very like frat house. Yeah, um, it's it's gross. Know, Not a fan. Like trauma to be unpacked by a therapist 20 years later type stuff. 
Yeah, not a fan. Uh, let's get to the mem- memorable line. We said it earlier. There's uh, one. It's it's it is it, the line. One. It is the line. Primen says, "If you want my opinion," and Cisco replies, "Actually, I don't." Boop, 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 boop. That but is the line. Like fire off, like start shooting guns in the background. I need Rasta horns. <laughs> Just my God. This yeah. dude, well, if you want my opinion, actually, I don't like no. How does that how does that guy show up to work? I'm putting a transfer in For immediately. Real. Like, how yeah. <laughs> I just it's just you're done. That man. Yeah, just leave. Like, that's it. Ooh. Yeah. Anyways, uh, you had an oof the 90s moment. My oof the 90s is bad acting. The in the 90s, all the show, like, you know, now everybody who you've ever heard of is on some television show like you know probably for a streamer or whatever but every famous actor is on television mm-hmm. there was a time when like if you ended up on television that meant that your like movie career was done and you can see why because all of these you can see why like movie <laughs> actors were really walking around you know cock of the walk you know chest out chest yeah. buffed out um in hollywood because tv acting was so atrocious and you know you're pumping out 26 episodes which means the writing's bad as mm-hmm. we, as evidenced here wow. sets are cardboard like it's just over it's all in all it's just a real rough scene nobody can act for shit nope. and, it's, and it's level like i love it we all mm-hmm. like listen, yeah 90s 90s television does numbers on the streamers you know like i did you know i didn't watch friends because you know i'm black (laughs) but but it's like friends was doing crazy numbers on hbo max um you know star trek's doing number like people people really love it i'm not saying anything bad about it this was my childhood but but my god my god (laughs) acting is so bad it's uh it's it's a thing it's uh it's a thing that is happening on this show people are going for it like i first was feeling that way with when it was the uh the guy dying in the fire <laughs> help me live just like bro there's no subtlety whatsoever everyone is just going for it the way that you know like early acting where everybody was coming off the stage and like mm-hmm. you're not used to cameras being in their face, making just crazy faces, speaking so projecting and projecting yeah. and all this. Woo! We're living in blessed times. Like even kids are good actors nowadays. <laughs> right. Like exactly. back in the day, like if you had a kid on your show, like on your television show, I'm like, this is this is trash. I don't want to watch it. I was feeling that way when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, there's kids in this? Hell no. Now these kids are like doing laps around whatever the adults were doing. Back yeah. Then. Yeah. Crazy it's shit. Crazy shit. We live uh, in blessed times. Thank God. Thank fuck. All right. It's time to release docking clamps and pilot our tough little ship away from Tarak Noir. If you want to reach out to us with comments or questions, hit us up on Twitter. Our profile over there is at Tarak Noir or send us an email at tarricnoirpod at gmail.com. Feel free to rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
Thank you all for listening. We hope you join us for our next episode, which if you want to watch ahead, this is Move Along Home. It is time for Move Along Home. Alan Moraine, that shit. We are doing Alan Moraine. Alan Moraine. Until then, walk with the profits, my child. <laughs>